Hi, welcome to Hospitality Live with Rupesh. Each week, we feature an industry leader that will share the latest trends and the best strategies to help you grow. Now, welcome your welcome host, your host Rupesh, Rupesh Patel. Patel. Hey, 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 good morning, everyone. Good morning to everybody listening, watching. Guys, comment, let us know where you're watching from. This is episode number 67. And somehow I am super nervous. I, I think I'm nervous about talking to Nan or Sarah or something. I just start, started getting nervous. I might be sweating during this conversation, but guys, I'm super excited. Um, we have a bunch of people online already. And guys, comment, let me know where you're watching from. I'm going to post that up. I'm going to give some shout outs. So I'm excited about this conversation. It's it's lead yourself to become a better, stronger leader. That's what we're here for. We're featuring 26-year veteran, Disney veteran, Dan Cockrell. I'm super excited to talk to him. If you're looking to be inspired, this is the episode for you. Guys, good morning. Let us know what city you're watching from. And I'm going to be looking over here to see where every UK. I love that. I feel like this is like the first time I'm giving a shout out to UK. Congratulations. Um, I'm excited about that. All right. So Dallas, Texas, uh, Virginia, Colorado. We'll talk about Colorado in a minute. Uh, Florida. Guys, welcome to the show. Fort Lauderdale. Welcome to the show. There's someone just said, I just purchased Dan's book. I'm super excited about that. Guys, this episode is number 67. It's discover how to apply the Disney mindset, the leadership mindset to our growth. Uh, learn the power of growth mindset, which is awesome. And I think somebody outside is cutting their lawn. So I can, I'm sorry if you could hear that, but if you can't, it's all good. Um, and then gain self-awareness, which is what we kind of all need right now is how to become less stressed at work and at home. And I'm super excited about that. Guys, comment, let us know where you're watching from. And let me see if I can give it some shout outs real quick. And like I said, I'm super nervous. I don't know why I'm nervous, but I just started just started sweating like 30 seconds before we got on. All right, so shout out to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Good morning, Connecticut, Memphis, uh, Minnesota, Missouri, El Paso, Texas, Plano, Texas, uh, Brooklyn, New York. Guys, good morning. Thank you so much. Arizona's in the house. Memphis, Tennessee is in the house. Good morning, everybody. Guys, Tucson, Arizona. I'm super excited that everyone's on. Peru is in the house. Welcome to the show, Canada. Welcome to the show. And guys, I have a brand new sponsor. I'm super excited about this. And let me just get up. Let me make sure I got everything right. And uh, make sure I make sure I do the right job because I'm gonna I'm actually kind of nervous. Um, all right, so this episode is brought to you by SGS. And if you don't know SGS, they're the global leader. I think they're the global leader in cleaning and disinfection, monitoring and verification. Somebody in the chat right now. Well, actually, you know what? I might, I might even have it. Let me see. Somebody in the chat right now. See if you could post the link. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to do it. There you go. Uh, post this link. It's sgs.com forward slash disinfection monitoring. Guys, here it is. Here's the sponsor read. Thank you so much to SGS. Uh, we've been talking for quite some time. And, you know, cleaning this means everything these days. And, you know, it's super important. And how do your guests actually know that your hotel is clean, right? And this is exactly what SGS does. And, and guys, comment and let us know what you guys are doing to make sure that guests feel confident and you guys have protocols in place and training Right? Do you have all of those things? And this is what SGS does. Uh, SGS is a world leading inspection, verification, testing, and certification company. With their clean cleaning and disinfection verification services, they help hotels and travelers alike with unbiased approach to cleaning. 
Now, what does that mean? And uh, there's a link right there. It means that they come to your hotel or they do a virtual inspection often, like it could be quarterly, it could be monthly, and to maintain that you have the proper protocols in place that make guests feel comfortable, your vendors feel comfortable, staff feel comfortable. This is what SGS does. Thank you so much to SGS for uh, sponsoring this episode and uh, onto the show. All right, so guys, every week I talk about a mindset and this week's mindset, let me pull it up real quick. It is, I've learned and love to embrace my imperfections, right? And, and if you understand what that means is, there's a lot of, no one's perfect. And I posted this last week. I said, no one is perfect, including myself. I don't know everything. I am, uh, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not perfect in anything I do. And so we have to embrace that. And, you know, until I started embracing like simple thing, like me going bald, right. Which is like part of life or whatever, this one thing that I'm not proud of, or I'm embarrassed of, we have to embrace it to continue moving forward, get out of our shell, maybe be a little bit more confident. And that's what I mean by, uh, by embracing your imperfections. And guys, if you understand that, or you believe that, or if you've done that yourself, where you're like, you know what? I stopped caring about what other people think about these things that are not hurting anybody, but it's hurting yourself internally. And I've kind of had to put that out there. And so, um, please let me know that, you know, you are part of this because, you know, I feel like sometimes on my own where I am like, you know what, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this as far as a show? Why am I doing this as far as posting things? And sometimes when you embrace your imperfections, like you don't have to be perfect. We always, you know, there's often people take selfies. I take selfies and I don't post it up because I'm like, you know what? It's not the perfect, it's not the perfect picture or, or I don't look good or my shirt didn't look good or I didn't get a hair. Like a lot of excuses. Who's been there before? Who's been there before where, you know, it's like, yeah, someone, uh, Teresa said it's work in progress. And I love that. And that's my mindset this week. I said, you know what? I'm going to, and I, I actually did this a while back. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop caring about the things that really don't matter that are holding me back from progressing, moving forward, thinking clearly. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you could do when you're, when you just embrace imperfection. So I am, um, I believe in that. And, and, uh, I, I see a lot of you guys out there posting in the comments, believe it too. I think it's powerful when you can understand that. Um, and all right. So next we have Sarah on with the show and let me bring her on real quick. And, uh, hold on. I told, I told you I'm nervous. Sarah, I'm super nervous. I don't know why I'm nervous. <laughs> you have no reason to be nervous. Not at all. <laughs> Well, Sarah, I'm super excited about what's going on in hospitality. There's a lot of crazy things happening, and you've yeah. shared some crazy stories in the last couple of weeks. But let's 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 get on with the hospitality minute. Hi, I'm Sarah Dandishi from Ask the Concierge. Every week, I'll be sharing the latest hospitality and travel news and updates in a segment we like to call Hospitality Minutes. All right, Sarah, tell us what is actually happening in hospitality and. Uh, Give us some good news this week. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I have to start all over again. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's definitely, it's an interesting time. Uh, some interesting things. And uh, some of the topics that I'm going to cover today, I, it's, a, they're curious. And I, and I think they kind of like lead to conversation starters for later. So let's go ahead and just dive right in. Um, so for today's 
Hospitality Minute will be covering a couple topics. Uh, Singapore's cruise to nowhere, so we'll circle back on that. Uh, the Maldives uh, Resort and what they're offering. They have a $30,000 all-inclusive, like all-you-can-start, all-you-can-stay package. Um, companies now offering buy now, pay later options. Um, and then something that Google is now offering um, for, uh, it's a traveler demand tool for hotels and destinations. So we'll dive into that a little bit more. So the first topic, uh, Singapore, cruise to nowhere. So if you guys remember way back when, way back when, a couple months ago, uh, they were doing these flights to nowhere. Well, now they're like, okay, let's do a cruise to nowhere. And, you know, on one side, that's that's great to see some people kind of tiptoeing back out there. But alas, and it was one of those moments that's like, no, okay, uh, you just want everything to go right for the cruise industry. But um, they, uh, Royal Caribbean cruise ship actually returned to port in Singapore after a passenger tested positive for COVID-19. Um, it was just a short three night, four night, uh, sorry, three night, four day cruise to nowhere around Singapore. Um, and a lot of it was just to kind of like invigorate like domestic travel. And unfortunately, uh, not long into the cruise, did they find out that somebody actually tested positive. We had talked about this that happened with another cruise line um, in in the Caribbean not too long ago. So it's just one of those moments where like, no, you want it to go right. Uh, but interesting, more so the thing that I found interesting is the cruise to nowhere, that that is something that travelers are interested in. It doesn't, they want to travel so badly. They will fly to nowhere. They will cruise to nowhere. What's next? Um, so moving on, the next topic, the Maldives, uh, a Maldives resort. And this kind of came out uh, maybe like a week or two ago. There's a resort that's offering $30,000 and it's an all you can stay package. So travelers can then pay $30,000 and they can st stay there as much as they want over the course of a year. Now, why is this so interesting is that depending on even where you live and what your expenses are like, that might even be less expensive than living in a big city. So um, there's, it's definitely interesting that they've been doing that. And of course, you know, it is to promote that international travel and the Maldives have really been on the forefront of that part into their location and how they can, they can kind of have, have things. But um, another interesting thing, another interesting thing about the Maldives is that they are actually the first country that is going to be debuting a countrywide loyalty program. So this was something that's very interesting. And again, it came out a couple months ago, but I wanted to touch on it is that it is really um, that countrywide, they are trying to promote travelers coming to the Maldives and would love to hear your thoughts on that. Definitely send me messages um, after the show in regards to that. So next topic, companies offering buy now, pay later options for travelers. So, okay, we know this, we all have, I mean, we have credit cards, we have all of this, but we now are seeing more travel companies, and I think a lot more are going to be putting out some announcement over the oh, announcements over the next couple of weeks that people will basically be able to buy now and basically make payments to um, towards their travel experience. Some even after they have a trip, and I think that this is a really interesting move because we hadn't really seen much of this in the travel space, and it's um, it's really unique in the sense that you know, it is mindful of the current situation. And it's really this solution that's allowing travelers to book trips that they want in when their expenses might be a little bit uncertain during these times. Um, 
So again, want to hear your thoughts on that. That is definitely really interesting. And then the final thing, uh, Google is debuting a new traveler demand tool for hotels and destinations. Now, here's the thing. If you are based in the US right now and you are going to try to go on Google to find this tool, you it won't really work for you right now. Right now, they're really debuting it in Asia because they feel a bit more comfortable there promoting travel as other parts of the world they don't feel fully comfortable promoting travel just yet. Uh, but it is, it's basically, it's travel insights with Google. And it's it's a really interesting tool that you will be able to use. It's really designed towards small and medium-sized businesses. And it's really helping, you know, uh, tourism boards, uh, travel um, businesses identify their top sources of demand, who's coming, um, um, whether it's local travelers, international travelers, and all of that. So definitely bookmark that, check that out. Travel insights with Google. I'm still trying to figure it out as well too. I uh, was doing a deep dive into that last night, but um, definitely interesting moving forward. So that is it for today's Hospitality Minute. <laughs> Sarah, that was awesome. Now, Sarah, would you mm. do a cruise to nowhere? Right now, would you? Yeah, I yeah, I like. Well, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out. Right, right now, right now? <laughs> that was the kicker. Uh, I'd probably, honestly, I'd probably wait a couple months. And it's we, it's weird for me to say this because I'm very much like, you know, I'll try anything and this, but it's like, to me, I'm looking at the bigger picture of things, and it's like just pump the brakes. Just pump the brakes. I, I mean, when the time is right and it feels right, I will totally be happy to be one of the first people out there. But it's like right now it just feels a little bit too soon, at least coming from my bubble here within the United States. So, yeah. um, but when the time's right, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what's to nowhere. I don't need to have the, the ship stop up anywhere. I just need food. <laughs> you need that buffet, which I probably need to. <laughs> That's what we're missing in our life right now. All the buffets at hotels, all the buffets at these cruises. Um, Sarah, it's always a pleasure. Where can people find you? Yeah, you guys can find me online. Uh, my website, askaconcierge.tv uh, or on social media. My handle is askaconcierge across the board. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then also YouTube as well. And of course, if you are here on LinkedIn, you can follow me at Sarah Dandishi. And Sarah, Sarah's coming out with a book. I'm super excited about that. Talk about that in the next month Couple or weeks. so. Yeah. Um, Sarah, it's always a pleasure having you on. See you on next Wednesday. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right. See ya. Oh, I think I cut her off. <laughs> um, guys, uh, if you liked her episode or the her one, you know, or her minute uh, hospitality minute, please hit the like button. And by the way, guys, we are giving away a copy of Dan's book before the end of the show. So the most engaging person here on this episode is going to win. And we're going to pick one before the episode ends. So guys, hit the like button, comment. And um, our featured guest, which I'm super excited to talk to, is Dan, Dan Cockerell. He's a 26-plus-year veteran with Disney He's the vice, he was a vice president of the Magic Kingdom. I'm going to bring him on right now. We'll talk about his background and talk about how we all can learn the Disney mindset. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Rupesh. Thanks for having me. Uh, Sarah's awesome. You know, I'd never seen her before. She was uh, a lot of energy and some great information there. Yeah. And, you know, she has to wake up like at three o'clock in the morning to prep for the show because she's in California. Meanwhile, we're in Florida waking up leisurely or getting leisurely getting onto the show at 930 in the morning. She's just waking up and uh, she's been awesome supporting this 
this yeah. industry and supporting the show. So I'm excited. Yeah. Well, welcome to the you, show. Man, the, cruise, the, cruise, the cruise to nowhere. Um, I like the, the tagline. It said, uh, you, as soon as someone is tested positive for COVID, it goes back to port. You know, it, it reminds me uh, when I when I was in college, I grew up in Maryland, and there was a, a at University of Maryland there was a bar called the VU, and at the VU you could get like nickel beers until the first person had to use the restroom, and then all the prices went up. Same concept. <laughs> and everyone got mad at that one one person, right? <laughs> yeah, you had to be careful not to be that person. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Dan, I'm super excited. I have your book here, which we're going to get into, but I want to talk about how you became a leader. Talk about your background and talk about how uh, you're now inspiring others. So how did you get started? How did you get started at Disney? Well, yeah, I grew up in the hospitality business. Uh, my dad uh, grew up in Oklahoma. He went to Oklahoma State for two years. Then, as he said, he forgot to go to class. So he moved to Washington, D.C. and started as a catering banquet server in D.C. And he joined Marriott at, at one point. So for 16 years, he was with Marriott, and we moved all over the United States. And then uh, he joined um, – Then I ended up going to Boston University. And I studied political science because I had no clue what I wanted to do. But I grew up waiting tables, and you know, I was in the hospitality business uh, in the source. And uh, I ended up working on the college program at Disney my sophomore year at, at BU and worked at the Contemporary Hotel at the front desk for a summer and really enjoyed it. And when I graduated, I went back to Disney and said, hey, I've, I've graduated college now and I want to work for you. And they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, look, I have a political science degree. What am I qualified to do? They said, you should park cars at Epcot. So I became <laughs> a parking attendant and uh, did that for six months. And then had an incredible opportunity to go open Disneyland Paris as a management trainee. And once again, they put me in the parking lot in France because that's what I knew how to do. And we opened the park in April 92. And then my wife and I stayed over there for uh, five years. Uh, I, we got married very quickly. I got my green card. She's from uh, the south of France, Lyon. And uh, we got married fast and stayed there for five years working lots of different jobs and then moved back to Florida in 1997 and spent the next 21 years at Walt Disney World. Uh, 19 jobs in total over that 26-year period, lots of different experiences. I was in hotel resorts for about six years, and the rest of the time I was in theme parks. And, uh, you know, Disney's very much uh, you start on the front line and you work your way up, and that's what I did. And I uh, just had incredible experience. And then about two and a half years ago, uh, I resigned it from Disney. Uh, my wife and I talked about it for a year, and finally, I put my resignation in and we said, let's go do something else. Our kids were getting starting to move out of the house. So we started our own consulting company. And we've been, uh, we're like, uh, we feel like we're kind of 22 years old, just got out of college. We're learning how to be entrepreneurs, except this time we're a heck of a lot wiser and we got a little money in our pocket. So it's been such, it's been a real adventure to start over again. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. And let's dive into your kind of your Disney background real quick. And then we'll get into some leadership and, and some concepts that we want to talk about to help us all grow and how to become our own leader within ourselves to help everybody else out. I think that's the topic um, of this episode. But within Disney, I actually part, I, I you know, right, I, I skimmed through your book because I just got it. And it, on the intro, it says, when I joined Disney in 1991, I knew very little about how to apply leadership in the real world and how to uh, achieve success in a professional environment. What does that mean? Because I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. Like, how can I become a leader? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, growing up, I was in, uh, I was an athlete and so I played on teams. So I learned a lot, I think informally about leadership. And once I got to, you know, I call a real job, I started to learn what it takes um, to, you know, manage a team and lead people. You know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big leap going from leading yourself. But, you know, if you're, if, you know, when I was parking cars, the only person I had to worry about was me, right? I got to make sure I do a good job. But when you go to that next level of being a manager and leading a team of people, uh, it's not about you anymore. It's about the people that you're managing and leading. And a lot of people are, they struggle with that because, now it's not my personal performance that matters. It's the performance of the people who report to me that I'm measured on. And so now you can't, you're not totally in control anymore. Uh, you can only, you, what you realize is you can create the environment for these people to work in. You can set expectations. You can get to know them. You can build a relationship with them. Uh, you can give them feedback. You can reward and recognize them, but they make their own decisions on how well they want to perform. And when you get promoted to the next level, you're now leading people who are leading people. So the more up you move up in an organization, the more you realize that it's never about you. It is about the people that you're leading. And a lot of leaders just can't get outside of their ego and realize that their success is in their direct reports hands. And that's what I thought about at the Magic Kingdom. You know, we're, we're open 365 days a year, 16, I don't know, between 15, 16 hours a day. I mean, long days, 12,000 people working there. And I concluded, you know, when I got these big jobs is it's not about me anymore. It's about me empowering, creating a great environment for everyone who works here and create the best chances of this place being successful. And if it is, I will do well. And if it's not, I'm going to be, you know, held accountable for that. I love being held accountable, but um, you really have to start thinking outside yourself. And that's, that's the first thing. Uh, and uh, Disney's great at teaching that. Uh, what I'll tell you is I think where Disney, really great companies differentiate themselves with, from others is they get down into the behaviors. You know, a lot of companies talk about what values they have, but great companies define their values by the behaviors that they train people. And you, cause you can't, you can't, um, guests can't observe values. They can't observe passion, but they can observe the behaviors of that. They can observe you making eye contact. They can observe you kneeling down to talk to their children. They can observe you being empathetic by asking questions. And uh, I think that's such a big, big deal. So at, at the end of the day, it's as my, my wife likes to say, these are very simple concepts, very hard to execute and do not confuse simple with easy. And, uh, and I think the keeping it simple is key. And after working at Disney for 26 years, I realized the hardest things in life are simple, but they're really hard to do well. Right. Right. And, and, and so you learned all of these things, but how did you actually learn leadership and, and, and try to help others? Like, was it just a Disney training, ongoing training, or was it a mentor that you had? How did you learn to become a leader first? Yeah, it, it was, well, it was everything. It was, um, you, you try, I, I love, I love at the beginning, you and I are on the same page. And I know a lot of your listeners are, um, you are imperfect and you are always going to be, uh, improving. If you're smart about life, the day you feel like you've arrived, you're done. You've never arrived. And so a lot of it was, um, you know, you start with common sense. You know, how was I raised? I was raised to treat people with respect. I was raised to, um, you know, to, to be friendly. I was raised to help people out. I was raised to do these things. So 
you take that common sense and then you go out in your, in your jobs and you start creating structure around being a leader. Uh, you know, when I was first became a leader, I realized, okay, I know that if I'm out with my people a lot, then I'm going to be able to lead them better. Cause I'm going to be with them, you know, playing sports. If you're the captain of your team, you don't, go to the office and, and sit while the game going on. You're out with your team, playing with them and encouraging them and interacting with them and giving them critical feedback. Uh, so I think a big part of this is you have to be present. Uh, like that idea, you have to be present to win, right? So this idea of, uh, and that's, that's sort of something I've followed my whole career. If I can be accessible and approachable, a lot of great things will happen. Now, when you're accessible and approachable, you have to deal with a lot more issues. Uh, but if you have that reputation in the job you're in, you're the accessible one, you're the approachable one, your employees are going to come to you a lot when they have a problem or when they have a, they need advice. And you're going to be a little overwhelmed, but that's how you start to build influence because people know that A, you're around. And I tell you, anyone out there working, think of who you've worked for. Think of the list of maybe managers in your area. There's the one you always want to go to because they're always available you go in their office, they don't sort of give a sigh and look at you like you're interrupting them. Usually they're out with you. They're spending time with you. They're encouraging you. And uh, everyone out there has a reputation today. And do you have a reputation for being that one who is the one that people want to emulate? Are you the one your employees are looking at and saying, you know what, when I become a manager, I want to be like that person because I just love their style. I love how they do things. Or do you want to have the reputation of, oh, today it's going to be a, yeah, there's John. He's the manager don't worry, he's going to be in his office all day. We probably won't see him very much. So we're just going to have to figure it out on our own. So a lot of this is your decision. I think sometimes people wait for their company or their organization to give them the expectations. What do you want me to be as a leader? I'm like, you know what you need to do. Be out with your people, make them successful, give them the support they need, give them the training they need to do their jobs well, encourage them, Give them that tough love when they do something wrong and give them critical feedback. And the next day, go follow up and see how they're doing and tell them that you really appreciate everything they're doing. A lot of this is kind of like raising kids, right? Your kids do something wrong. You give them a, you, you make sure they know what they did wrong. Maybe they get punished for that. And you tell them you love them right afterwards because that's what parents do. And leaders are the same way. Um, great, a great book. You know, there's a ton of books out there on leadership, but, um, uh, uh, Radical Candor is just such a great book. Uh, Kim Scott wrote it. She was with Facebook and she talks about the best way to lead people is to challenge them directly and care for them personally. And if you can figure out how to do both of those things, having empathy and discipline in your life, you will be wildly successful. Problem is a lot of people are way too empathetic and aren't, don't have the courage to challenge and improve their people and give them feedback. And there's leaders who only challenge their people and never build a relationship. And you have to have both. You have to have the soft side and the relationship side, and you have to have the business side and to challenge them. And if you can figure out how to do both of those things, you will be a great leader. Right. And you, you led a, a team, a cast uh, member team of 12,000 um, at your time at Disney. How did you get to so many people if you're accessible and, and you were approachable? Was it like yeah. all day you're meeting with somebody? Or, and I love that you're on, on the floor, right? Um, engaging. And that's what leaders do. And it's not you're just stuck in the office and come to my office when you need something. You're out there. You're showing your face. Right. And I love that you're doing that because I really respect people that are doing that. They're, they'll go dig a ditch with you. Yeah. If you're, if that person's digging a ditch, they'll come and help you and support you. How did you do that with 12,000 people? 
Yeah. Well, you know, most jobs before Magic Kingdom, I could get to everybody. Well, not everybody, but I could be out there a lot. You know, when I even when I was the vice president, Disney's Hollywood Studios. I could walk the park in an hour and a half and see a lot of people. Uh, Epcot, I, that was the case. And when I was a GM of a hotel, you know, I knew I could get to all the areas. But when I got to Magic Kingdom, I realized, okay, this is now beyond my reach. I can't know all 12,000 people, but I want to be personal to them. So I came up with a marketing plan, you know, a communication plan. So some of it was just pure um, communication. So I did something when I first got there, my, uh, my communication manager said, Hey, Dan, have you ever heard of Instagram? I'm like, look, I know I'm older than you, but I'm not that old. Yes, I know that. She said, well, we're going to create something called Insta Dan. I'm like, what are you talking? She goes, what you're going to do when you're out in the park and you meet a cast member and you interact with them, you're going to take a selfie with them. And then you're going to write their story. This person works at Cosmic Rays, the biggest restaurant in the world, and they know cheeseburgers. And or this person works at Big Thunder Mountain. And, you know, this month they welcomed one million guests to that attraction. You're going to make them the heroes. And then you're going to send me that photo and that story. And we are going to make a big deal out of it. And I said, well, it seems a little bit of an ego trip for me to have my photo with people everywhere. She goes, no, this is what you want to do. You want the cast members to see that you are interested in what they're doing. And you don't have to talk to everybody, but if other employees can see that you're with a friend of theirs or someone they know, you're now going to, they're going to kind of live vicariously through them. And you're going to make a point to the cast and to the leadership team that the frontline employees are important because you're taking the time to go talk to them, interact with them, take a picture with them. So we, we started that program. Uh, I posted I, I, I po um, on my calendar, you know, every day I block time and the time said, go walk the park. Because if you don't put time for these sort of um, uh, unstructured activities, you'll never do them because everyone's going to schedule, fill up your meet, your scheduled meetings. And so I mm -hmm. schedule my own meetings with myself to get out in the park. And every day my assistant would come in and kick me out of my office, say, hey, your meeting started. And I'd go walk the park for, you know, an hour, 90 minutes. I'd talk to guests. I'd talk to employees. And it's not that I could see everybody because I was only out there for a very small sliver of the day. Uh, only one day, you know, every day. But what happens is when you start role modeling that all of a sudden you're out there and your general managers are like, well, look, the words on the street, Dan's out there. We better get out there if he's going to be out there. So now they're out there. Now they're out there. Now their managers are out there going to gyms and Dan are out here. We should be out here also. And so it's almost like, you know, people say, well, yeah, people are scared. That's why they're out because there's, I said, well, no, when you're holding people accountable, they like, they like you to see what's going on. And when you're around as a leader, things run better. I know people say, well, it's not, it's, it's how your operation runs when you're not there is how good a leader you are. I'm like, no, it's not. When you're around, things should be better. <laughs> you should be making a personal impact. And so I would be out there. And so the GM started to learn that uh, being out in the operation was something I valued and they started to do it. So this role modeling, never underestimate the power of this role modeling, how you dress, what kind of shoes you wear, how you carry yourself. Every leader is role modeling every day. Everybody's watching you and they're taking the cues from your decisions, your jewelry, the kind of car you drive, who you greet, how you treat people. Uh, it's all being watched every day. And it's probably one of the most important things is just, just, you know, think to yourself, you're always on stage. You are always being observed and people will take cues off what that looks like. Um, I had uh, my confidential voice number at the Magic Kingdom. I said, look, if you ever, I said, we have a great leadership team here. I'm not looking to be the problem solver of every problem at the Magic Kingdom. But if you're ever in a situation where you don't know who to call or you feel uncomfortable and you just don't know where to go, you call me and you leave me a voicemail 
And if you leave it anonymous, that's fine. And if you want to leave a callback number, I'll get back to you. Um, but get to me because a, if there's something going on and someone at, at the magic kingdom doesn't know who to call and they don't have access, they're going to end up calling someone, uh, the state mm -hmm. sanitation department, channel nine news, yep. <laughs> Twitter, you name it, they'll, they'll, they'll be heard. People can be heard today. And I wanted to be that first, that second line of defense to make sure I could deal with it. And then, um, so they'd leave me a voicemail. And when I first did that, people said, are you crazy? I said, why? What if 50 people leave you a voicemail today? I said, then we got 50 things we got to deal with. Why? Right. If I got 50 people call me a day with a problem, then we got a bigger problem in my voicemail box getting full. We got a problem like, why does everyone need to call me? But yeah. I'd get a, a few calls every week. Some people would say, hey, um, I've called the uh, maintenance three times about a fence, and I'm afraid that a child might go through the, the hole in the fence and maybe get hurt. I've called, they haven't taken care of it. I had the authority to follow up and then do the root cause analysis. Why did they really open a ticket? Why didn't this get handled faster? Or I'd get a cast member calling me saying, my manager doesn't like me and they're, they're being unfair. So I'd call them back. So well, tell me about that. They'd tell me the story. I'd say, well, look, we can do, we can handle this one in a few ways. I said, my first choice is you, you, you take care of this situation because if you don't want me stepping and you want to handle this yourself, you have the courage to call me, have the courage to talk to your manager. And uh, sometimes they would talk to them and 80, 90% of the time there was a misunderstanding and 20% of the time they'd come back and say, I talked to them and they said they weren't interested. I said, well, I'll make sure they're interested in talking to you now. So part of this was accountability and part of it was problem solving. But the main thing was I was focusing on not being the hero. I think a lot of times when we have authority, we have the, you know, we have the authority to call and just fix stuff. And people don't want stuff to be fixed. They want to be involved in that process. But sometimes they need an authority figure to help them out. And so even on my voicemail, I had my cell phone number, my personal cell phone number. People really thought I was crazy. And in three <laughs> years, I was a VP at Kingdom. Two people called me on my cell phone. Um, and cause people are like, well, I'm, I'm fired up, but I'm not going to call Dan and on his cell phone. He'll get back to me. You know, people are pretty responsible for that stuff. So you just constantly have to be out there. I would park in the, the uh, employee parking lot uh, a couple times a month. I would park in the guest parking lot and take the tram and the monorail into work a couple of days a month to see what it was like from a guest point of view. I would yeah. eat in the cafeteria. I wouldn't have an entourage. I'd show up by myself, get my lunch and sit down with a bunch of employees. I didn't know, introduce myself and sit with them. And when I first started doing that, they're like, all right, don't tell him anything. It's a trap. He's trying to find out. And after I showed up for like the 11th time, they're like, maybe he just wants to have lunch with us and find out what's going on. So you, it's the behaviors, it's your habits and your behaviors every single day that prove what your values are. And when you start to, to do that regularly, people start to change. They start to realize what's important and, uh, and you can make that come to life. But once again, I, I just, my dad told me for many years, don't get caught up that you think you're your job. You have, you're the yeah. vice president of Magic Kingdom. Everyone's going to be nice to you. Everyone's going to defer to you. But that's not who you are. That's your title. You got, you're running that place. Your employees are working for you. If they do the job well, you're going to get guests coming back again. They're going to recommend you. You're going to get higher guest ratings, which you're held accountable to. And if you listen to them, you're going to give them what they need to do their jobs. So this is a, as we say, um, uh, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. No one in the organization is more important. Everyone has a different role to play and everyone has to play that role the, the way they need to, to make the place the best they can. Right. And th there's some great comments in the, in the comments here, guys. Thank you so much. Listen, Dan, is it okay if we give away one of your books before the end of the show? So the, is that Absolutely. okay? So before yeah, the end sure. of the show, we're going to give away to one person, we're going to give away Dan's book. Um, and uh, we're going to get into the book too, but I, 
and guys comment let us know uh, say that you love this episode say that hit the like button be engaging i'm already i've already written down a few names of people that i'm thinking about uh, handing this book over to and dan i think you'll be uh, you'll be happy to with these people that are passionate hospitality people like yourself and it's always about the yeah. you caring more for others than you caring for yourself and that's kind of like in your blood and you learn about that if you if you haven't uh like you were saying you, know, you might have grown up this way but if you haven't you still have a chance to learn. So I would like to uncover before we move forward on leading yourself is what mistakes, maybe a few mistakes that you made during your time or the beginning time of your career that now you're like, you know what? I'm glad I made those mistakes because it helped me to become who I am and to get the positions yeah. and to do all these things. Even this book, how you got here, what are some of the mistakes that you made early on? Yeah. Well, that could be a whole nother episode. I got plenty of those. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, one of the things that, um, that really helped me grow tremendously was living in France for five years, being a foreigner, being someone that had the funny accent, being the person who didn't always quite have the right word to explain things. And it really humbled me. And when I came back to the United States, I never judged people's intelligence based on their ability to speak the language. Cause I realized, boy, if you're speaking another language, it's hard enough. I applaud you for doing that. So that's, uh, I made that mistake even before I went to France is, you know, if people didn't quite speak the language the right way, it's like, they're not really good communicators. In fact, I remember being in a meeting at Disney and we were inter interviewing candidates for um, housekeeping manager roles. And uh, at one point I remember we came out of the meet after we interviewed everyone and we had a conversation about, you know, that person was good but their English wasn't, they made some mistakes and that kind of thing. And one of the, finally, one of the ladies was interviewing. She said, guys, she said, is that what you're worried about? She said, who do you think these housekeeping managers are going to be talking to 99% of the time? They're going to be talking to housekeepers who speak Spanish. So is this really something you're worried about? And we all looked at each other and said, well, we're pretty dumb. I mean, why, why was that a deal? Because we had this group think and we, we were, we didn't think about the fact where are these people spending their time? So that was a, that was a great learning. I, I think that was a mistake we made and we corrected it. Um, something that was a great learning in France for me was um, the, the idea of understanding not only people culturally, but as individuals. So at one point when I, we opened, I was a manager in the parking lot. I put up a, I had something I learned about in Florida where you'd post who had perfect attendance one week of perfect attendance, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, because it, you know, in at Walt Disney World in the nineties, one of the big things was reliability, and it's still important, reliability. Mm -hmm. And so we would put that. So finally, I had one of my employees. He had been like five months. He was like the only one that had been five months in a row had perfect attendance, and he came to me one day and he said, "Dan, um, if you don't take that list down off the wall in the break room, I'm going to have to call in sick." And I'm like, "What are you talking <laughs> about?" I'm getting such a hard time from every other employee here that they look, it looks like I'm trying to be better than them and they give me a hard time about it. And I just don't want my name. I appreciate the fact I grew up being very reliable. I know how important it is to be at work, but this isn't working for me. So my assumption was that that's how you recognize people. You recognize them publicly and you recognize them in front of everyone. And what the huge learnings for me was that's not the case. So, you know, there are stereotypes in the world. Stereotypes exist because there's a lot of truths in them, but there, there's also individuals. I What I recognize and learned stereotypically in Europe, in France, if you're going to recognize someone, you do it one-on-one, -on -one, in private, and that's the way to do it. 
uh, because there's a, you know, there's more of a kind of a class system in Europe. And when people, it looks like someone's trying to be more successful, people look at them sort of suspiciously and it's not good. Now, come to the United States, stereotypically, you know, most people, how do you want to be recognized? Well, just, you know, one-on-one's fine. And you say, well, really, how do you want to be recognized? Well, as a matter of fact, if you want to recognize me, um, I want my family there. I want all my coworkers. I want to make a speech. You know, they don't say all that. But Americans, we recognize uh, achievement and success uh, very openly. And it's different than in France. And so what I learned over time was you got to find out what people's preferences are when you start to, to get to know them. What is your preference on being recognized? Some people, the worst thing you could ever do to an introvert is put them in front of a big group and recognize them. And, the, and for someone who has a big ego, who's a big performer, the worst thing you can do is recognize them privately and not tell everyone about it because everyone's driven differently by different motivations. Uh, some of my leaders at Disney, uh, when I worked, was – you know what? The recognition for me is um, just let me know pretty regularly I'm doing okay because I don't have a lot of confidence and I need you to make sure and you, I need to hear those words. And other people are like, look, unless you tell me something's going wrong, I assume I'm a superstar, right? And so there's the people you had right. to back off a little bit. So it, one of the big things is I tr- when early in my career, I thought you kind of treated everyone you had to be consistent in how you treated everybody. So you'd treat them the same and there couldn't be anything further from the truth. You got to treat people differently. All your employees are different and they are, they should be engaged differently. Now you hold them to the same standards. You're not inconsistent there, but um, it's, it's hard to do that. You know, it's hard when you have 20 million visitors visiting the magic kingdom and you're telling everyone we want to entertain 20 million people consistently. And you, we want to treat every single guest as an individual. That's like, that's two sides of the spectrum, 20 million people individually. That's almost like impossible, but that's where you get great performance. And we want you to lead 12,000 cast members, but we want you to make sure they all feel like individuals and they and they understand how they're important they are to the operation. And, uh, when I, when I started treating people uh, the same or didn't get to know them personally, I made some big missteps in how I handled situations, whether it was recognition or feedback or communication and that starts to erode the trust. And so you got to make sure people know, because people want to know that you know them personally, because they want to, you know, they want to move forward and develop. So those were some of the things early on that, you know, I kind of made some mistakes around. Right, right. These are all like great learning lessons that I can see that have helped you. And, and I'm reading the comments. These have helped all of us. And I can think of times in, my, in the past where we said, you know what, we're going to give for example, we're going to give everybody Starbucks gift card that does this thing or because they achieved this goal. But then we realized no one, not this group of people do not like Starbucks. And we made that as a management company, our ownership you know, side. And we didn't realize that there's no Starbucks in the area. There is only Dunkin Donuts, right? just for an example. And so these are the mistakes yeah. that you can learn from. And I love that, that you're you recognize these mistakes and then you've kind of grown and maybe it was with the team or maybe it was with yourself. All right. We're talking about how to improve yourself and how to lead yourself first before you can lead others. And yeah. that starts with self-awareness. How did you, how do you, how'd you learn about self-awareness and how can you inspire us to become better people or better leaders uh, yeah. when we're talking about ourselves first? Yeah. Well, let me address the lead yourself first. When um, my wife and I wrote the book, we talked about um, the three things we thought were important and it was lead yourself and then lead your team and then lead your organization. And uh, I, uh, when I talked to the publisher and he read it, he said, look, 
the book's great, but it, it starts out with this whole section about leading yourself. And it feels more like a self-help book than a management leadership book. And he said, I really think we should put that at the end because it's not what people are expecting. They're expecting like leadership stories and how to manage better. And Valor and I talked about it and we said, you know what, if we put it at the end of the book, we're going to do what most people end up doing. They put leading themselves at the end below all, all the other priorities. And the reality is growing up, having been an athlete, you have to take care of yourself before you can perform. You never hear athletes bragging that they only got five hours sleep. And you never hear, you always hear athletes talking about, they have psychologists to help them visualize performance. Uh, they hydrate. Oh, all right. We're back. Um, I learned that if, um, yeah, if you, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to be the best at taking care of your family. You're not going to have the patience or the energy to be great at work. And so you can't sacrifice yourself long-term to serve others. You got to be selfish. Um, so my, my thing was um, exercise. That is how I get rid of stress. That's how I build confidence. That's how I get my endorphins going. And once I can go run or swim before I went to work, I'm like, look, whatever you want to do to me today, you can't be worse than what I did to myself this morning by running or swimming or getting tired. So let's go for this. So, um, and Ariana Huffington, you know, she's big on sleep. The sleep revolution is a great book she wrote because she passed out at her desk and cracked her head open because of sleep deprivation. She said, this is crazy. I, I can't, you can't be a hero. So this idea of you know, running marathons, your, your, your life and your career is not a marathon. It should be a series of, um, of peaks and valleys, performing and recovering, performing and recovering. And what a lot of people, especially in hospitality, don't understand is recovery. They're like, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to always be on. And you can't do that. You're not going to be your best. So you got to lead yourself first. You got to find time for yourself. That may be exercise. That may be meditation. That may be your faith. That may be a hobby. Whatever it is you need to get yourself centered before you do everything else is the right place to be in. So this self-awareness thing, this is a big deal. Um, we all have blind spots, right? Uh, there's another um, model um, that talks about um, um, you know, you, what people know about you and what um, people don't know about you, what you know about yourself and what people don't know about you or you don't know about yourself. Um, well, the strength finders is part of that. This is the, um, um, oh, someone will know it on there. It, it'll, it'll come back to me. Um, anyway, the idea is that there, we all have blind spots. There's things that we don't know about ourselves that others know about us, and that's called the blind spot. And we all have it. And I don't care how much you focus on it. You always have a piece of a blind spot. But the more you, what you need to conclude is, I know there's something that I don't know. And as long as you know there's something you don't know, you're always going to be curious. And what you start doing is, you open up the door to people to give you feedback. Uh, when I would um, pitch um, an idea to my leadership team, you know, at Disney, we're pretty polite. And we, we, we like to say yes a lot. And we like to agree with the boss, just like other organizations. So I had to give my team permission at times to say, okay, for the next 10 minutes, all you have to do is shoot holes in every single way you can of this, con this idea that we're talking about. And if you, you can't say anything positive and you have to find something negative. 
And because I'd rather have it in that room than the guests calling us or my boss calling us later going, what were you thinking? Um, and I found that a lot. There's group thing. When the boss brings up an idea, everyone wants to add to it and everyone wants to say yes because you want to be supportive. So you need to figure out a way to give your people permission to tell you what's not right in your plate operation. That's why I had my confidential voicemail. Because I know the managers aren't going to come to me and say there's problems a lot of times because you know what? I'm going to tell them, we'll fix it. So the cast members, they were a free resource. And if I could give them permission to call me anonymously or not anonymously and tell me, Dan, we got a problem in this area. I won't get the detail. Go check it out. Um, I was able to address a blind spot. Um, twice a year, I'd go do a, what we call a stop, start, continue sessions. Uh, I would leave my leadership team in a room. I would leave for two hours and they got to vote and talk about everything they wanted me to stop doing, start doing and continue doing as a leader for them. You know, there's strength in numbers. And when you come back, everyone has voted. They've agreed. All right, Dan, we talked. Here's all the things we'd like you to stop doing, the things we'd like you to start doing. And here's the things we appreciate about you should continue to do. And after you, you need to have, um, you need to be ready. A lot of people won't do this because they're like, man, I know I got a lot of stuff that they got a problem with. But if you don't fix those things, you're going to fail. And if you're willing to be vulnerable and you're willing to let your team give you that feedback, you will become a better leader. And if you become a better leader, they will be they, they'll perform better and you'll get better results. So once again, this is all this is all good for you. Um, and my team used to give me great. And after a, f a couple of years, they're like, Dan, you don't have to leave. You know what we want you to keep working on. You know, your, 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 your weaknesses don't go away. They just got to manage them over time. So what my team told me was, you know, Dan, you let conversations go on too long in our, in our staff meetings. You're always looking for consensus. Sometimes after 20 minutes, just make the decision. We'll be okay with it. Even if we disagree with you, we want a decision. And that's what I started doing. And so they said, because I love, I love harmony. I love getting people on the same page. But sometimes my team would not agree on a topic. We would, they wouldn't agree on how to handle something. And I, I got to pull my vice president card and go, okay, I've heard enough. I'm making the decision. We're going to do X. And half the room would boo me. And then they'd applaud and going, yes, we got a decision. Let's move on to the next topic. So if you allow yourself to have that feedback, um, you're going to get better. If you, your ego is too big, you think vulnerability is a weakness, um, then you're not going to find out about these things. And you're going to go through your whole career not making improvements. Um, right. See, that self-awareness is such a big deal. Now, you can't let it overcome you either. Some people are so self-aware, they have no confidence. And they're afraid to make any decisions. So you got to find that right um, piece between I'm in charge. I'm, uh, you know, I, I would say it's balancing humility with authority. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be humble, but I'm going to have the authority and the courage to make decisions. And if you can find that middle ground, uh, you will be great at what you do. And uh, there's something every day you're doing that you can improve upon and you don't even see it. That's your blind spot. Right. And then the, and with self-awareness, you were saying confidence is a big part of it, right? Where you could say, you know what? I, I have my issues. I have my uh, weaknesses, but I also am confident at doing this. How did you gain your confidence? Uh, was it just a learned skill or did you grow up with it? Like, I'm just confident at everything. No, I, I like to tell people that uh, fear is a great motivator. <laughs> Every job I went into, I was nervous. Uh, and once again, growing up playing uh, sports, Every game I went into that I was nervous, I, I performed great. And games I went into that I didn't, I wasn't nervous, I, I failed miserably because that, that stress is good. There's good stress. And that little edge that you want to perform helps you. And so 
every presentation I gave, every time I got up in front of a group, I was always nervous and that's normal. Now, when you talk to people, you're like, well, you didn't look nervous. I'm like, cause I, it was time to perform. It was time to step up and do what I needed to do because you put me in this job and I'm going to do this job. And you have to, so over time, a lot of it is, you know, it's that mental piece, building yourself up and knowing, you know what, I'm supposed to be doing this job and I'm going to make mistakes, but someone's got to do it. Why not me? And so I'm going to get in there and confidence comes over time with uh, sometimes you just got to muscle your way through. Like, look, I'm not ready for this job, but I'm going to step in. I'm going to go back to my old formula. I'm going to talk to everyone working for me. I'm going to find out what's on their mind. I'm going to talk to my frontline employees and find what works and what doesn't work. I'm going to look at all my service scores and see what we're doing well, and what we're not doing well, and then I'm going to build a plan. And then I can be confident knowing that this is not my pet project. This is actually addressing what our clients and guests want, and this is addressing what our employees want. Uh, everything that you that needs to be improved, your guests know about and your employees know about. You just got to go be able to ask them the right way, and they'll tell you exactly what that is. And once you figure it out, go fix it, and you'll be successful. I think people forget how simple this is. Yeah. And were you vulnerable to your team or to even your, to your team? Were you vulnerable in front of them? Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I know this or um, is that part of leadership being vulnerable? Absolutely. And I wasn't, I'll tell you, I wasn't, I was probably vulnerable, but I probably, uh, I always, um, I always prided myself on being even keeled. Like, you're not going to get me to raise my voice. You're, I'm just going to be poker face because I'm in control. And sometimes my team told me, Dan, sometimes we just want you to get fired up. We want you to like cuss about something and get like, you are so cool about things. We don't even know when you're like, are you excited? Are you mad? Are you enthusiastic? And so I started some of the meetings. I'd say, all right, look, I hate that idea. And here's why. And then, you know, one of my GMs said, oh, I, I like fired up, Dan. I like it when you get a little emotional about this stuff. So sometimes uh, you got to get that. Now, you, you can't do it at the expense of others. But, yeah, that vulnerability is there. I, I learned as I went on, hey, guys, let me tell you a story about today. I had my first meeting with uh, the, the resort general managers, and I sat in the vice president's chair, and no one told me. And when he got to the meeting, they didn't say anything. Uh, but, uh, and I said, man, that was embarrassing. They all just thought that was a riot. And once again, it didn't take away from my credibility. It didn't take away from my authority because that we've all been there. Um, but, um, that's, uh, you got to show people you're a real person. I used to go talk yeah. to my assistant, her daughter and my son were the same age. And I'd say, Hey, Kathleen, how was your weekend? Good. What happened? Well, let me tell you about how my son almost got arrested this weekend by stealing street signs. She's like, oh, God, what happened? And we talk about stuff. You know, a lot of people don't want to share that. So it's like, well, I'm supposed to be the role model of having a perfect life. No, you're not. You're raising kids. They do stupid stuff. You you deal with your uh, your spouse. You get into fights like everybody else, and you have best, dumb arguments. Um, and I think the more you can bring your real self to work. Um, now you don't want to go in every day and just talk everything about what's going on in your life, but you got to open up a little bit, get to let people know who you are. And they'll, they'll, once again, relationships build trust and trust, uh, pushes your business forward. Yeah. And it shows you're a real human when you can show the vulnerability of, of what's happening in your life at work or at home or, you know, whatever position you are or that phase you are in your life, you can share that a little bit. You know, like you're saying, you don't have to go all, all out and just say every day is a problem, but I'm going through a struggle just like you are. So they understand that we're all going through something. And yeah. when you're building a team, you know, you're trying to motivate them. And sometimes that motivates yourself. How did you motivate your teams around you to continue going, especially right now where 
in the hospitality industry, we're all struggling. We don't know if we're going to be, our hotels are going to be open next month or next quarter, or if we're going to have a job. So how do we continue staying motivated um, and then motivating our team? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that because I've, uh, I've talked to people about this and they've asked me, gosh, at Walt Disney World, how do you get so many cast members, you know, at our peak 74,000 employees to be so nice and smile and just be friendly and helpful. And, um, you know, the first thing we tell them, well, we put some in the water. So then we say, no, we don't put any in the water. But then I say, look, I'm going to share a secret at Walt Disney World about how we make that happen. Okay. You ready? You look around like it's a secret and you say, we hire people that are motivated and happy and love serving people. And this is by far the most important thing in hiring. You got to hire the right people because once you hire the right people, recognition is less important. Um, feedback's less important. Pay's less important because if you hire the right people and this comes back to your idea of uh, mindset, you hire the right attitude. Um, you know, when you hire people, you hire for three things, skills, passion, and attitude. Uh, can you do the job? passion. Do you want to do job attitude or you can excel at the job? And at Walt Disney World, we usually don't hire for skills because we're going to train you how to operate Pirates of the Caribbean or we're going to train you on how to dance in the show or we're going to you know train you to park cars. So skills is not that important when we hire most of our jobs because we, we're going to train you from A to Z. Passion mm-hmm. is important. Why do you want to work here? But attitude is by far the most important thing because people that have the right attitude are internally motivated. They, uh, you don't tell them to get motivated. They just get up every day and they're motivated. Hey, we're in quarantine. All right, that sucks, but let's figure out what we're going to do about this. Hey, there's a hurricane coming. Okay, that sounds scary, but how are we going to get through this? And people that have the right attitude, I just love working with these people because they never give up. They're always trying to figure out how to get over the barrier, around the barrier, under the barrier, through the barrier. They're just going to keep going. And so um, I, I really do believe in, in your workplace your job as a leader is not, you're not supposed to motivate your people. You're supposed to create an environment for them to work in, respect them, recognize them. So you reinforce uh, behaviors. But if you have to motivate people, then they may be in the wrong job or maybe you hired the wrong, the wrong person. Uh, I can't motivate you. I can't tell you to, to care about what you're doing. You have to decide on that on yourself. Now, what's going on right now it's very difficult um my you know valor and i we got out we're like we, we're entrepreneurs now we got freedom january february march of this year we're like killing it we're in peru we were in uh, croatia we're doing consulting we're doing keynote speeches and then all of a sudden we're in quarantine we're like okay uh this isn't what we expected <laughs> you know all of a sudden all the speeches got canceled all the workshops got canceled and so we were at home. And so when you have the right attitude, you say, okay, are we going to sit around here and wait until this goes away? Are we going to get up and do something? And so um, I said, you know what? I'm going to try to help others. So I'm going to, I sent out a, a note to all my, um, my email list. I said, who would like to get on a call once a week and just chat about how we're all doing and maybe talk to entrepreneurs and talk to each other about what we're dealing with. And uh, you know, about 250 people said, we'd like to do that. So I had to narrow it down because when you get more than 12, 13 people on a Zoom call, the interaction goes way down. But I picked about 150 people and uh, Monday through Friday on a rotating two-week basis, I had a 1 to 2 p.m. call every day. I had people from London, Australia, South America, Canada, the United States. We get on a call. I had 10 different groups and we talk about how's everyone doing? Well, I'm in Bowling Green, Ohio, and I run a coffee company and I'm starting to figure out how to deliver. Oh, how are you doing that? Here's some advice. Well, I'm in a, I'm an Air Force pilot in Uruguay and here's what's going on here. 
or I'm uh, you know, I just got laid off from on furlough and we just talked to everyone. And so that three months of doing those calls, I learned a ton about how to facilitate calls, how to, you know, get interaction. And now we just, we just launched an online community two months ago and which is a subscription community now. And the only reason I knew how to do that successfully is because I practiced for three months doing it for free. Um, my, my wife and our, our daughter just graduated from the university of Colorado and, uh, they said, well, how about we create a college course? And I said, what's that about? They said, well, let's use your book as the textbook. Margo just graduated. She knows how to do this and we're going to create a college course. So we, they, we created 13 week curriculum, two classes a week. We created a midterm exam, a final reading quizzes, case studies. And we're on the second semester right now, testing it up at Suffolk community college. And we've talked That's to awesome. Pearson and a couple of big book textbook companies to see if they're interested in buying it from us. So once again, what, you know, we could have said, well, let's not do the college course. It might not work. Well, it may not work, but what else are we going to do? You can only watch so many, so many Netflix shows before <laughs> you got to do something else. So you got to, this, this idea of mindset is you got to constantly have your ears open and your eyes open. Everyone who's joining this call today has a growth mindset because you are taking time to learn from each other and listen to Rupesh and I here. Um, those of you who are on LinkedIn making contacts with people and you're getting 99 people says, no, I don't want to talk to you. It's that one who's going to talk to you that's going to open five more doors to get you your next opportunity. Um, so it's this, it's the glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. And I'll tell you, the people who, are, who have a fixed mindset, who are afraid of making changes or afraid of trying new things, they think the growth mindset people are naive. How can you be so thriving and happy during uh, a pandemic or during a crisis or during you know, this? Um, and the, the growth mindset people are like, well, if I, I can be like you, but I can't stop the pandemic from happening. So I'm going to go out and figure out what to, what's next. I got to create growth for myself. I got to create um, you know, opportunities for myself. And these times right now, everyone's being tested. You're being tested on how you handle um, how you handle tough situations, how you handle these moments where you're, you're strapped financially. You don't know if you're going to have your job. Um, and this is going to go away. And when it comes back, it's going to come back stronger than before. And that's going to be the good times again. And I guarantee you for a lot of you that are younger, this is not the, definitely not the only crisis you're going to deal with. And it probably won't be the worst. There's going to be more stuff in the future. There's going to be hurricanes. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be another pandemic. Um, you know, I'm not here to panic anyone, but this is what life is. Life is ups and downs and you got to take advantage of the ups. And when you, when things are up, you got to thrive and, and enjoy them. And when things are down, you got to buckle down and get your courage up and, and, and manage those. That's when you build character. Yeah. Dan, I always look back at this time or any time that's been tough in my life. And I always say, think about when you were young, maybe that summer when you fell in love with somebody and then you broke up after a long-term relationship. Remember how you felt? You're like, you know what? This is the end of my life. I'm never going to be happy again. And yeah. I, I lost everything. And you feel like you've lost hope. And I feel like that's what we have right now. And we're always going to have that. You have to, you have to plan in your book on chapter or on page 46, this is plan for the unpredictable, right? And that's what you're doing right now. And Dan, that's what you did. And I think that's what all of us have to do when we're talking about surprises in our life because like you were saying this is going to happen to you more than once in your life where you have a struggle um if it's not happening to you weekly or monthly or, or a couple times a year there are going to be struggles in your life and we have to continue growing if you want to have that growth mindset and i, I yep. think that i i want to end this conversation because we could probably talk about this for three more hours where we continue sharing your great experience because i've loved i've wrote, written down so many things here on, on um on my 
on my notebook. And um, guys, if you really enjoyed this episode, please hit the like button. Please thank Dan for being here. Dan, where can people find you? And your book, by the way, everybody has to buy this. And should we buy this on Amazon? Yeah, your local bookstore, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can you can buy those there. Um, I have a website called Culture dash kingdom.com if you'd like an autograph copy and uh, uh shipping's in, in included uh if you want the autographed uh piece of that otherwise amazon local bookstore uh barnes and noble they're all available there uh i have a website called dancockrell.com and then there's an even better website my wife designed called cockrellconsulting.com and okay. it's got everything we do. It's got our bios. It's got our contact information. It's got videos, uh, anything you want to find out. We do a, I do a, for 23 years, I've been sending out an article every Friday to my leadership team. And I adopted that two and a half years ago. So if you want to get, it's a free article. I, I just collect articles that I think are really great and I push them back out to my, my followers. So if you want to sign up for that article of the week, um, you can do that. I have a podcast called Come Rain or Shine. It comes out every Thursday morning iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts and, uh, you can get in touch with us there. And we just love talking to people. Valerie is, uh, she, you know, she facilitated Disney Institute for six years. She worked in retail. So, uh, we're, we're having a good time now running this company. Yeah. Dan, this has been amazing. I'm sure everybody's learned at least 20 things. I think I've learned like 50 things from just this conversation. Dan, thank you so much, guys. Please get the book. How the culture, how's the culture in your kingdom, which has been an amazing, I can't wait to finish this book and, and please connect with me here on LinkedIn. And Dan, I hear that you're moving to Colorado. Yeah, we are, um, a few Monday, we're going to get load up the Penske truck with all our worldly items, which is 60% less than it was a few months ago. And, uh, we're leasing a, uh, an, a, a townhouse out in superior Colorado, and we are going to spend a year and figure out what we want to do next in our lives. So we're excited about that. Well, wish you all the best. We'll be following your journey. And I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. I know there'll be a part two that people want and with all these comments. Please go. Can you do me a favor? Please go back to a few comments and just come and respond to these comments because there's some great questions about your experience and how this to help them. So I really appreciate this, guys. It's great to hear. Get the book, follow Dan. And uh, Dan, thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thanks for everyone showing up this morning to listen to Rupesh and I, and just uh, stay positive. The future is bright. It's always bright and just get through these tough times together. And uh, I think 2021 is going to be an awesome year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Wish you all the best, Dan. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Guys, that was amazing. I've been reading all the comments. There's a couple of hundred comments within the last hour and I appreciated everything that Dan said. I wrote down so many different uh, points here, like curiosity, accountability, behaviors, which you started the conversation off with at the beginning. These are all things that matter in hospitality. These are, these are things that matter for us to grow ourselves. And I love that we learned these things. And guys, before the we said before the end of the show, I would pick a winner. And the winner of this week's uh, episode, and you're going to get this book from Dan, it is uh, – Micah Young Ekman, congratulations, uh, Micah, for winning. I hope I said it right, uh, for winning this episode. And um, guys, please comment and uh, thank her or w uh, wish her the best and uh, congratulate her for winning this, uh, this, uh, this book. I'm super excited about that. And guys, 
Thank you so much to our sponsor this week, which is SGS. And please, somebody put this in the comments so, so we can click on it. Please click on this. Learn more about SGS and how they can improve your hotel, how they can get your guests' confidence back, how they can help you with protocols, how they can help you with training. All these things are going to matter right now as you're trying to build business up, as you go into the 2021 with a positive outlook. SGS can help. Please go to sgs.com forward slash disinfection monitoring. Guys, thank you so much to SGS. And let me see. There, there it is again. And uh, guys, my website's out. It is, it's a preview. It's not done yet. It's rupesh.co. Um, and if you want to watch all the past episodes, it is uh, rupesh.co forward slash show, S-H-O. And you'll be able to pull up at least the last 10 episodes and we're, we're working on it. So the guys, I haven't announced this to everybody. This is just to you guys that are live on this, on this show. Um, it's rupesh.co forward slash show. And you'll be able to watch the last, uh, I think last, last 10, 15 episodes. We're going to put them all there. And guys, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, congratulations, Micah. I'm super excited to send this book to you. Dan will send it to you and guys stay well, take care of each other. And I'll talk to you next Wednesday where we, I'm going to announce it right now. We have the CEO of Best Western Hotels, David Kong is going to be on. I'm so excited about that. Talk about what's happening at Best Western and their growth and what they're doing right now to improve their, uh, their revenues. And I'm so excited about that, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, take care. See ya.